Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. In a fast-paced world, every day brings new challenges and new opportunities. At Strayer University, we know a thing or two about getting and staying ahead of change. For over 130 years, we've been providing students like you with innovative tools and customized support. So you can find your way forward and always keep striving. Visit Strayer.edu to learn more. Strayer University is certified to operate in Virginia by CHEV and has many campuses, including at 2121 15th Street North in Arlington, Virginia. Hey everybody, Holden here. Because of your support, The Wizard and the Bruiser is about to start getting advertising, which is like a really huge deal for us. And for that, I just want to say thank you. In the meantime, if you could fill out this short survey, it would really, really help us out a lot. All you have to do is go to this website. It's wondery.com forward slash survey. Once again, that's wondery, W-O-N-D-E-R-Y dot com forward slash survey. It shouldn't take too much of your time and it'll really, really help us out. Thank you so much for listening and on with the show. Everybody, it's Holden McNeely, the sweet, filthy wizard. And I am the bruiser, Jake Young. And, and we are recording directly live from my apartment, and that's why this sounds like total trash. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, here's the thing. There's very little insulation. There's a lot of echo, but, but... It smells bad. Yeah, it does smell quite bad in here. Well, that's because I was streaming for four hours before this. Ah, <laughs> oh, yes, the gamer stink. And before that, I was doing research on uh, this week's episode, and that would be on Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Here's a dive show. Turtle power. Shell shock. <laughs> I can't wait to get to the uh, video games, dude. You know what? Right off the bat, right off the bat, I just got to get this fucking goddamn fact bomb out of my goddamn face. Is it? Is it have to do with Chuck Lorre? It has to do with motherfucking two and a half fucking Big Bang Chuck Lorre. I'm so glad that that blew you away as much as it blew me away, dude. I fucking... It's literally him singing, they're the world's most beautiful painting thing. Yeah, That's dude. fucking Chuck Lorre. The, guy, the man who created, uh, created, guys, two and a half men, Big Bang Theory, Dharma and Greg... <laughs> Wrote the th- co-wrote. Let's please the man who killed Charlie Sheen. The man who murdered Charlie Sheen himself co-made the Heroes in a Half Shell uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles theme song. Did he also make the Teenage Mutant Hero Turtles song? <laughs> we'll get into that in a second, guys. I have to say this is a subject that is after my own heart in a huge fucking way because I was obsessed with the with the turtles. With the uh, with our half shell heroes, um, with the mean green turtle machines, those pizza loving, 
surfing, <laughs> skateboarding, fucking badass motherfuckers. All Shit my childhood. encrusted, rat raised. <laughs> I have, I was, okay, so I was trying. Genitalist freaks. <laughs> All right. I didn't remember them that way. Um, so, uh, uh, yeah, I was trying to rack my brain and really remember uh, when exactly or like how exactly I ended up obsessed. It felt like it's something that was almost always there. I kind of remember mm-hmm. going to school. And essentially having a friend be like, no, 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 this is what happens now. We now are obsessed with this. And I'm like, okay. And I do remember I went home one evening after school and I was like, I called my dad at work and I was like, dad, I've never asked you for anything. You've never done anything for me, Mm -hmm. you know, but if you could do one thing for me and that is to stop by the toy store on the way home and pick me up. Any one of the turtles. I think I said, you know, the one I wanted the most, which is the one you got to know I was obsessed with. I mean, if you know me, you already know the answer here. But my Donatello. Unbelievable. Un. All right. Quiet nerd. Donatello. (laughs) I loved Michelangelo so much from the moment he hit the screen. I was in love with Michelangelo. So I was like the orange one, you know, the orange Mm. one. And um, when my dad came home. I heard Holden come downstairs. All right. This is like one of the most distinct earliest memories I've ever had, by the way. Mm-hmm. I come downstairs and laying out like he put them out on display. All four turtles, Splinter, Shredder, and a Foot Clan member. Fucking mind was blown. <laughs> I shat myself, dude. I shat all over my kitchen floor. My dad was Don't say mortified. that as a, you're at the age where that might have been a reaction. I spray shat all over my mother <laughs> after seeing the Ninja Turtles on the floor. My dad was like, didn't see that one coming. We all had a good little chuckle. And then I shat like five more times. Here, here, I like, <laughs> if you just even just lay it out, just lay out the words, it is of course, this thing was a cultural like f- juggernaut for children because you got teenage, which is you know young, dynamic, cool, yes, mutant, freak, warped, grotesque, yes, outcast, yes, ninja, violent, aerial, in movement, uh, weird weapons, and then turtles, cute, goofy, holistic, fun, fun. silly. So you have a property that like broken down is cool, outcast, fighting animals. Yes. Everyone can jump on. And then, of course, like each turtle represented like a different part of you of of the of the kid of the child, Mm -hmm. you know, the one that's interested in science and cool stuff. The one that's like totally like a leader and cool stuff. A narc. Yeah, the narc. (laughs) One that's like super into fucking eating pizza. And I'm just going to lay it out there. Smoking weed. I know that Michelangelo didn't necessarily smoke weed. No, no. Michelangelo is the prototypical hedonist. One that is solely in pursuit of the pleasures of flesh. Yes. And then Raphael, the emotion ball of of just un-understanding rage. You know what I'm saying? It's it's kind of fun. Like it depends on what version of the uh, of the of the turtles you actually like in you 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 follow because in the '87 cartoon he's just a fucking Groucho Marx like hancha yeah. cha yeah, Can true. you get a load of these yahoos? <laughs> but the awesome dark brooding Michael Bay movies, he's just like no, he's like the muscle in Bay. Yeah, he's just like. By the way. Because I think I hit you up about doing this episode. Yes, we've had many listeners harass me. I've had listeners show up at my door and be like, why aren't you doing Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles? I've had listeners. They doxed you. Yes, I got doxed. I got <laughs> swatted, and then I got doxed. It was unbelievable. Um, but, uh, uh, it, you know, even before that, I remember I was sitting with, with Lex, with my lovely fiance Lexi, and I was like, oh, shit. 
the fucking new Bay Turtles is uh, free on Netflix right now. Let's throw it on. This you is know? out of the, is this the the first one or out of the shadows? The newest one, oh. dude. It's good. It's fucking. That's when I texted you. I was like, dude, we got to do this. I just had a blast watching the new Bay Turtles. They like nailed Bebop and Rocksteady. <laughs> like they straight up nail it. They fucking nail it. And honestly, okay, I, with comedian Julia Johns. We got trashed. Oh, you always have to be trashed, by the way, with the ba- with these Bay movies and any other mm-hmm. Bay movie. We got trashed and went to the opening. Trashed or Chinese. That is how you best enjoy <laughs> yeah, exactly. Michael Bay films. We went uh, opening night to the, the first Bay Ninja Turtles movie. Mm-hmm. And again, had a fucking blast. We had such a good time. I, had, I, I love them. I still, I, it's like the one thing. That is, I mean, it's probably not the one thing, but it is one of the only things that is just purely like ridiculous and stupid and idiotic and somehow has a warm as fuck place in my heart. I don't get it. I don't understand why, but I just love it so much. No, it's uh, it's because the the Ninja Turtles took a foothold of the action cartoon. It like it literally it took the two things and melded it into a family friendly package even mm-hmm. the, and then on the side it also had like the fucked up like indie comics edge to it yeah. where like if you really wanted to find it you could get like crazy violence and like pathos yeah. and all that stuff it gets really dark well let's let's take a little fun little backpack well actually we're not getting on the way back back machine we know what happened to the way back back machine i shot it in the brain <laughs> <laughs> it can't be back <laughs> It will probably come back during Way Way Back Machine: The Reckoning, but that's not that's not uh, that's in development right now. It's not coming out until around twenty twenty. That was my mistake. Um, but we 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 should take a little field trip on the magical school bus, which is a lot much more of a friendly <laughs> machine. Um, to when uh, this first came about, uh, you you have to talk about two people, and that's Kevin Eastman and Peter Laird. Now, there's some great crossover elements here. There's some great little tidbits, like such as Kevin Eastman also was uh, one of the publishers uh, for Heavy Metal. No, he bought them. He bought it. Oh, no, is that, that was, what it was with his with fuck his you turtle, turtle money? money. With his fuck you turtle money. Heavy Metal is the science fiction and fantasy comics magazine known for the bl- blend of dark fantasy and science fiction. I mean, it could have its own episode in our show. It's like I a thought whole the crazy crossover thing. was going to be the fact that he was a fucking nerd that ended up working at a seafood restaurant, just like <laughs> Steven Hillenburg. <laughs> <laughs> um. It, yeah, yeah. He ended up, what? Well, what's this whole thing with a waitress? He was born in Portland, Maine, but he met a waitress at the University of Massachusetts who um, and followed her to Northampton, where yeah. he met Peter Laird. By the way, every time I see the name Peter Laird, I think Laird. I don't know why That's, I have to say I, it like that because you have deep mental problems. I do have deep, troubling mental problems, Jake. <laughs> so uh, basically, <laughs> these two nerds meet in the eighties. I think uh, literally. I mean, cool they, dudes, but whatever. They're fucking nerds. <laughs> uh, just fucking. Oh, chowder. Oh, oh, look at this good lobster meat in this one. Ah, with the lumber yacht. <laughs> um, these two nerds, uh, both were like creative types. Both were like into making comics and both were fairly young. Uh, Peter Laird's like four years older than Kevin Eastman. But uh, a local uh, Massachusetts comic shop literally is just like, talk to Kevin Eastman's like, hey, you remind me of this other nerd. Here's his address. You guys should hang out. And so they started like a pen pal relationship Mm -hmm. and they started exchanging comics pages and they started like, you know, collaborating together. You know, they got along. They had a a, a very similar sensibility. And this was during the 80s where 
uh, indie comics were kind of coming into their own. There was, uh-huh. uh, you know, uh, Love and Rockets, Dave uh, Sims Cerberus, the uh, Elf Quest, which always comes up in these conversations. But it, the artwork always like look up Elf Quest. It looks weird. I don't yeah. know why it's always in with these with these kind of things. But this rush of independent creators taking the art form of comics and kind of taking the you know, kind of undercutting or not undercutting, but kind of bypassing the major publishers to create works that like stone college kids got a hold of. And we're f- <laughs> man, he's making the smoking a joint uh, motion with his hands by and the, the jerk off motion with my other and hand. And jerk off motion with his hand. He's had a third hand that's eating a chicken dinner, <laughs> an invisible chicken dinner. I don't know where that hand came from. I'm glad that hand went back. Honey to mustard shot. Um, yeah, I mean, Peter Laird in 1983 was earning 10 bucks in illustration from a local newspaper. He mm-hmm. was, he was also like just giving illustrations to different zines and stuff. He starts working with Kevin Eastman and the whole idea for TMNT came from a humorous drawing that Eastman made during a night where they were just hanging out watching bad television bullshitting kind of much like um, the gorillas uh, uh, when they got together and they were watching bad TV and they just came up with the idea for the band. I th- you know, even more familiar with gorillas is the fact that Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles kind of became their uh, commentary on the greater comics world at large are you guys that re- then became bigger than even the thing they were trying to parody. Are you guys ready for the a huge this, ka, ka, ka crossover? This sound setup literally cannot handle you actually making the ka, ka crossover noise. <laughs> I know, it keeps writing out every time I do it. Um, I'm going to back away from the mic a little bit. This, I, think I mean, this is like fairly common knowledge these days, right? Like, yeah, I feel like they most... were parodying... Well, what's great is like, we just covered Frank Miller, and they were parodying the most popular comics in the 80s at the time, and that was mainly Miller's Ronin and the Daredevil Mm -hmm. um, series he wrote. So all that samurai stuff, mix that in with X-Men's New Mutants. Teenage Mutants. Yes, Teenage Mutants um, that the X-Men were messing with. And then uh, the New Mutants, was it was a spinoff, by the way, um, and it first appeared in 82. It had the first appearance of uh, Deadpool, and it was later relaunched as X-Force, which I think more people might uh, know it as But Cable, Cable got his official start in uh, New Mutants. And a young Rob Liefeld made his first mark on the comics. So then also, and by the way, this made me really want to go and check. I've always been curious about this, but Cerebus... Mm-hmm. The um, anthropomorphic aardvark. It's very cartoony looking. I think what mainly the influence here is was, first of all, Cerebus itself is a parody of sword and sorcery comics mm-hmm. written by a dude um, who smoked a lot of weed and did a ton of LSD, apparently. Mm-hmm. And it's just like a real crazy. He's, Dave Sims is a fascinating guy because he's had his share of like crack ups over the years. Mm-hmm. And then he's like, no, guys, I swear, I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm going to keep making my fun cartoon about an aardvark. It's going to be and fine. And it'll get weird and political and crazy. Yeah. yeah. I, I, should I read Cerebus? Should the I've never touched Cerebus? it. I mean, yeah. it's it's an undertaking, and yeah, it's it, like, it has, there has to be something there. Fucking huge! It's like what eight massive volumes of of comic book. But what, what, what we're trying to say is this black and white comic scene was a real thing. Was huge, and Eastman and Laird were like you know two of any two nerds that wanted to like push past what mainstream comics were doing. Oh, uh, and I, just real quick about Cerebus, too, is just that it's a very cartoony-looking main character in a very realistic-looking world yeah. around it. Kind of like Bone. It's got a very, like, it's like a cartoony-ass, cartoony-ass <laughs> character dealing with, like, real-looking people, like, just like how they have it in Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Mm-hmm. Um, the, 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 um, it's, it's important to understand that, like, uh, it's, 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 it makes a lot of sense that they juxtaposed funny talking animals with Frank Miller uh-huh. because uh, in the 1980s, that is the background radiation psyche of a comic book fan. It's totally. like new, dark, crazy stuff 
built upon a childhood base of like Donald Duck and Pogo. Mm-hmm. So like the Ninja Turtles make a lot of sense within this per- very narrow lens. But if you weren't a comic book fan, you just saw the title and the premise, and you were like, what? A gigagahoo? A gigagahoo? Every time you see it, you do that, Jake. It's really fun to watch. No, it's true. That's what it's so. I, I'm, I'm like, I'm talking to myself in circles over here, but the thing that made Ninja Turtles so unique and stand out from the crowd was this insane premise, this thing out of no Ninja Turtle T- mutants. Or it's like a wait, it's like a too long title mm-hmm. that just perfectly kind of catches the eye, and that really worked well when they first yeah. self-published it. No, so that's what I'm. So what I'm trying to say is that like it makes very little sense. It stands out from the crowd. It is this bizarre anomaly, but. From a comic book fan in 1984, it is like it is where it was all going to end up. Yeah, it was literally the end result of the entirety of comics up until that point. Absolutely, that's their rant over. Done, man. So they self-publish uh, together uh, a run of 3,275 copies, largely funded by um, the uh, who, which, which one, Laird or no, 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 Eastman's Kevin Eastman's uncle, uncle Quentin. Uncle Quentin. I love it. Everyone needs to have an uncle Quentin. Um, which, by the way, that first self-published, like, black and white, like, zine-ass looking, mm-hmm. you no, know. It's oversized. It's like, it yeah. feels like a newspaper page. That's currently on eBay for, like, $3,500. Like, it's 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 a pretty, yeah, which makes a lot of sense. I mean, it was a small run, limited run. Oh, ooh, ooh, this is, this is super nerdy. This is super nerdy, but I love this. Uh, uh, Peter Laird uh, made the original comics. If you look at the pages, they have this very weird washed gray and dark gray uh, tone scale. Mm. And that's because they used this archaic uh, graphic design uh, stationery called Duo Shade, where ah. it was blank Bristol board. And uh, you used like, you know, those mess free Crayola markers that like the markers are clear. But when you draw on the paper, it, like the color appears. So the paper, the Duo Shade had the hatch marks of like shading for a comic book pre-printed on every page. And then you went over it with clear developing fluid to kind of paint in the shading. So that's why, and that's why it looks super crazy. Uh, The original comics don't look like anything else. It's like a very bizarre sensibility because it's like these clean lines sloppily painted on. Um, And because uh, the original, the, the duo shade paper is so expensive each page of the Ninja Turtles was actually a third of a sheet chopped so they could stretch their money as far as it could go. Ah, yes. And of course, to make the pages bend more easily, move more easily, they had to they hand lick every <laughs> single, I don't know why I say hand lick, it's more like face lick mm-hmm. uh, by face every single, uh, every single page. Did you get a chance to read the original comics? No, I didn't. Uh, well, I... I Okay, so because I, I was being a cool kid, I did have a poster in my mm-hmm. room with all of them with the red bandanas. Mm-hmm. So like from the original, because it was so cool and like dark and fucked up. And I think maybe I got a hold of like one. I definitely read um, some of the later comics that came out. The like, uh, you know, they were based more on the show. Yeah. Um, but I think I had some of the originals. I think I had one of the like, what is it? Tales from the Turtles. That was very early. Yeah. 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 One of those. I think I had a little bit of that going on, but uh, nothing crazy. I ended up uh, reading a few of the original Eastman and Laird issues. And the first issue 
is clearly supposed to be a self-contained story. It is a parody <laughs> genre exercise. There's all these cool, like, uh, Frank Miller panels with the turtles in mid-flight. There's that Frank Miller pose with, like, the legs tucked in in mid-flight. You know what I'm talking about? Uh-huh, uh-huh. Um, and, like, the, you know, the, this is our city. We were trained. They're slow. We strike like lightning. Like, two ribs broken. That, like, Frank Miller dialogue. Uh-huh. And then they kill the Shredder. The Shredder oh. is blown up with a grenade yeah. in the end of the first issue. He's incredibly secondary in the original comics. I do know that. He was much, much more of a, a, a just a part of uh, Splinter's no. origin story and not really as much to do with the uh, main, main story. The the point I'm trying, to, I'm trying to get is that the arc, the arc of the original Ninja Turtles is... Man, this idea is so silly. I don't like it's like this is too silly. I can't get over it. Fuck it. Let's make it. Let's make it a thing. Let's just publish a few thousand issues and like just sell them however we can. And like there we got it out of our. It's literally just like like a weird joke that you just had with your friends and you just had to get it out of your system. Laird said starting the turtles was a goof. It was not anything we envisioned directing our lives in any way, shape or form. It was like, hey, this looks like fun. Let's self-publish it. Let's see what happens. Suddenly and just completely out of the blue, this turtles phenomenon emerged and really from day one just took over. It was a rapidly accelerating process, which culminated in essentially taking over our lives completely, Um, whether they liked it or not. And honestly, at points, it seems like Laird really didn't like it. Um, you know, I mean, they, of course, in the end, they end up both kind of walking away from the property, um, especially Eastman, um, just sick of it, you know. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, can you imagine like one dumb, goofy, stupid thing you did with like some buddies? Like, what if um, Holden Talks for 30 Minutes like became like the biggest thing on the, you know, and I yeah, like yeah. had to do Holden Talks for 30 Minutes like every week? I'd fucking start losing my mind, dude. <laughs> It might be kind of awesome, though, you know? I mean, Just, you would you would be wealthy beyond imagination. Yeah, I could afford the blow I'd need to fucking do episodes <laughs> once a week. Um, yeah, so it was all completely uh, kind of out of the blue for them, you know? Uh, Eastman said on the first comics, that, so they, they get um, the... They get, actually on the second issue that they created, they found themselves with fifteen thousand advance orders, which they had. It was five times the initial print mm-hmm. run. They, they they said uh, Eastman said basically that we ended uh, that ended up uh, with us clearing a profit of two thousand dollars a piece, which allowed them to write and draw stories full time. It was enough to pay the rent and uh, pay the bills and buy enough macaroni and cheese and pencils to live on, uh, and just and be able to do their fucking thing. Yeah, um, it was a uh, it was an indie comics hit. Uh, you know, it's it wasn't, uh, you know, they weren't going to be millionaires off of it, but they could live off of it, which a lot of independent creators were doing at the time through comics. Totally. Also, Laird was pretty savvy with the newspaper job. He made a, uh, it was a, what do they call it? A press, press kit. kit. He made a four-page press kit, sent it to everybody and their brother. They sent it to eight, 180 TV and radio stations, and uh, it got picked up by, like, the Associated Press and all this <laughs> stuff, and actually that's kind of how they really got the word out in a huge way. So he at least was able to take that $10 uh, image. <laughs> I mean, can you imagine getting $10 in illustration? That would fucking drive I mean, me it was 1980s dollars, so that's like enough to buy a house. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, I guess that's true. So, yeah, at this time, too, uh, the reason why I said Laird might not have liked it is that apparently he immediately gets an artist block where he decides that he, he, he feels, he, he said the incredible growth and complexity of the business that sprang up around their instantly successful Turtles property led to Laird as he says it, suddenly discovering to my horror that I no longer uh, enjoyed drawing. It was a real shock because if I ever had anything that I could rely on, it uh, it was that I loved to draw. Now, I have to relay this um, so recently, now, I feel it, like he still liked to draw. It's just that he didn't want to draw Ninja Turtles. Ninja Turtles, right? <laughs> so uh, 
I had kind of a funny thing with this when uh, I did my 24-hour stream for the Twitch <laughs> thing. Like, like at the end of the 24-hour stream, it was so successful. We had all these people. I mean, I would have been up for 24 fucking hours. And um, I was literally sitting there thinking, like, I don't know if I can ever stream again. I just made it so that I could leave my job and pursue this full time. Like it was like right after I finished Mm. streaming, I was like, I don't think I want to do this because I had just been doing it for 24 hours and I was just a mad person from it. (laughs) And I literally had this fear of like, what if I don't actually want to do this anymore? And I literally just dedicated this and told everybody I know that this is what I'm doing. Luckily I took a couple days off and I came back strong, but it took, it turns out it was just the onset of scurvy (laughs) because it's 24 hours were so unhealthy for oh you. my god man that it was crazy the mind bends the mind bends after a while um so they had an indie comics hit mm-hmm. uh it was a funny memorable title even people that you know weren't reading it were aware of it mm-hmm. um and uh and it, there were some ins and outs i, I kind of want to talk about some of the differences between the comic version and the tv show that would come a little later oh, so let's let's you know let's just jump forward it's you know they they get approached by playmates toys okay yes they go to visit yes they take they take a visit to playmates toys um based on their mainstream well before that even happened they had they had some dark horse miniatures made little 0.6 inch lead figures which i looked these up they're like little tiny they look like little like warhammer figurines okay um so um they had a little uh they had a licensing agent with um mark freeman and he uh he had them doing that and i think that's kind of what turned them on to the playmates thing and then in January, they, they go visit the offices of Playmates Toys, um, which is a, a little tiny toy company in California. And that's when, like, a fucking full team of people mm-hmm. begin to form. Because Playmates Toys essentially says, we're not going to do shit unless you have a TV show. That, which mm-hmm. was a uh, – this was – the laws get a little bit complicated, but – by the 80s, if you think about Transformers, if you think about He-Man, it was actually common practice for just to produce these TV shows to act as commercials for the toy line. Yeah. And then sometime in the 80s, like Reagan actually said, you know, the Reagan administration put a stop to it. But I think you could still I think yeah, I think the, the workaround was like, no, no, no. We made uh, figures of this TV show. This isn't a TV show about these figures. Mm-hmm. So I don't know how the turtles got away with it, but this is a tried and true uh, child money stealing operation. Yeah, a lot of it has to do with a man named John C. Schulte. Uh, he was um, wait, was it John C.? No, 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 Jerry Sachs. Jerry Sachs. I'm sorry. Jerry <laughs> how did Sachs. you forget a name like Jerry? Jerry S- I'm Jerry Sachs. Hey, everybody, it's Jerry Sachs. My fucking balls, right? And it just says, "Hey, eyes up, up here. Hey, eyes up here. Quit looking at my fucking giant fucking sack." No, that's not my fucking knees. That's my fucking nuts. I don't even know what that means. Um, Jerry Sachs is an ad man, right? And he's a fun, fun guy. He's probably very evil, actually. I'm going to assume he's the most evil man on the planet. Just cracks a baby in two and drinks the juices. Yeah, exactly, exactly. He, he... He had a lot to do. He brought in John C. Schulte, who Schulte, who was a writer and producer of animation and toys and entertainment properties. He also, by the way, a little tidbit, uh, converted Toxic Avenger into an animated program for kids. Now, um, that actually, a lot of the team that worked on Ninja Turtles had to do with that Toxic Avenger cartoon. It makes a lot of sense. It makes a ton of sense. Because, like, that's what I loved about, I mean, jumping a little bit, but that's what I loved about the action figures was they had, just like Toxic Avenger, like, they were just so grotesque and mm-hmm. crazy looking and bright and vibrant, but, like, mutant and fucked up like the villains were so much fun anyways um uh he sax calls this pitch green against brick um and brings together a team of writers and this team of writers 
are the ones that came up with, you know, Heroes in a Half Shell and Turtle Power and all these kind of catchphrases and Kawabunga and all that stuff. It's literally just a room full of people trying to figure out what words and like mm -hmm. what combination of words will make kids run to the toy store and, and buy merchandise. I mean, it's, it is nothing but that just absolutely and completely. Um, mm -hmm. uh, another guy that enters the equation is uh, David Wise. Mm. Did you uh, give? Okay. So they, uh, part of the plan, part of the big rollout is to start with a five-episode miniseries. The task fell to David Wise after the first person that was asked the job, Chuck Lorre, oh. said he didn't want to work in animation anymore and uh, referred to David Wise. Uh, David Wise is a fascinating guy. He uh, was a child prodigy that worked in experimental films and in animated films at age seven. At like age nine, he was like on film tours and like would show up on TV as like the little genius. Mm -hmm. He loves to make movies. <laughs> um, but by age 16, he was a paid television writer. He actually wrote an episode of the Star Trek animated series that won an Emmy. Oh, yes, 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 yes. Uh, which the literally the entire uh, first iteration of Star Trek did not win an Emmy except for that one. <laughs> uh, he then kind of futzes his way through the entirety of pop culture in the 70s and 80s. He's written episodes for the Smurfs, He-Man, My Little Pony, Snarks. Gems. Snarks? Not Snorks. Okay. The worst. Some, there is a Snorks credit in here. I know it's there the is. Worst, it's the worst. Cartoon. I'm going to find the Snorks credit, but I definitely found a Snorks uh, credit. He wrote 15 episodes of Transformers, <laughs> including the series finale, did a whole run on Chippendale Rescue Rangers. Ah. He is like the 80s TV guy. Yeah. And uh, he actually added a lot of what we consider now to be Turtles canon. Mm. Uh, the color coding everyone, formalizing mm. the uh, individual personalities, uh, softening, you know, Ra uh, making Raphael less a violent psychopath and more of a like snarky dude. Uh, pizza. It was his idea to make him eat oh, pizza. So smart. One of the worst. And we'll talk about the bad mm -hmm. Ninja Turtles merchandising. But um, that just I have to get it out there now. One of the worst piece of Ninja Turtles merchandise was um, scratch and sniff Snickers. There were mm -hmm. stickers that were pizza smelling. It smelled like vomit. Yeah, yeah. It I remember. Like you're this. You're drawing me into a sense memory hole that I am <laughs> clawing my way out of right now because holy shit. So I have Jack Mendelson here brought on as a writer for the TV show for the miniseries. You know Jack Mendelson? Uh, no. He also has those types of credits: Laughing, Three's Company, Carol mm -hmm. Burnett Show. He was a co-screenwriter on Yellow Submarine. Mm -hmm. um, they also brought in uh, animator uh, Murakami Wolf Swenson. Um, that's oh, no, the wait, production that's the company. production company headed by Fred Wolf. Also worked on Puff the Magic Dragon, uh, Alvin and the Chipmunks, The new, Point new Adventure. The Point. Yeah, he worked on The Point. What's the Point. It was a t it was a hippie ass TV movie. Oh, okay, that makes sense. Me Puff and the Magic Dragon. Oh, it's that. Yeah. Oh, awesome. And uh, uh, the the new adventures of Speed Racer um, to create this mini series because this is what they could do. They no, were like, uh, the the the. Oh God, I can't believe I'm such a nerd about this. The mini series <laughs> was. Uh, a very like it was a smoothed over version of the initial comics run. They introduced like the Ninja Turtles, the Mousers, the Shredder. Yeah. Uh, they uh, kind of shift around Krang to be like the gurgling kind of like foil that he is. Was Krang even in the comic books? <laughs> okay, so there's interdimensional brain creatures was in the comic. Okay, yeah, okay, yeah. There were these utongs, utongs, yeah, but no Krang, and Krang is never listed as an utong. He just looks similar to the utongs, but it's, he is no utong, Jake. It's okay. So Krang is David Wise take on the utong and uh he utans i can't whatever and there's a uh 
and he claims that it uh, Krang was essential because it was a gateway for more science fiction stories so the turtles can just bust up robots. Well, because also they just wanted more crazy-looking mutants, mm-hmm. and so they were just like, we just need more. And that's how Bebop and Rocksteady came into the fold because they were just like, we need more crazy-looking toys. Yeah. Give us more toy money toys. And so Eastman uh, gave them Roxy and Bebop. Uh, but in the initial five-episode miniseries, what's really important is the animation was done by Toei, mm. who were the company that has done uh, tons of anime, uh, famously Dragon Ball Z, um, among a lot of others. And if you watch those initial episodes, they are so well done. The fight scenes are like really immaculately cool. done. Uh, there's I a don't lot think of. I've, have I seen them? They, it's it, it, get, would, it gets folded into like the first few episodes. I would have seen them because I have a memory of seeing way too many of like one batch of episodes like way too many times and I think it's that mini series I would have You to know assume. how the opening credits are like way more badass than the anything that has ever appeared in the show ever because it was made that was by Toei Animation Gotcha Gotcha um also You know uh, when Michelangelo is like knocking away all that bullshit with his nunchucks Yeah yeah <laughs> Oh man and then the whole thing we'll talk about the censorship in the UK with the nunchukus <laughs> That was a big deal. Yeah, okay, so you know, we're into it. We're at the show. Yeah, we're at let's, the show. Let's fucking geek out. Let's fucking Can do I it. just say that April O'Neil, before we, we, we go on, she was mm-hmm. a computer programmer in the comic books mm-hmm. that was actually working for Baxter Stockman um, in order to create the Mousers until she found out that the Mousers, he was using the Mousers to uh, uh, chew into bank vaults, mm-hmm. and then she ended up uh, going against them. There's a bunch of just really cool stuff like that. And then Casey Jones was like this, this guy that was like, Eastman came up with him as like you know instead of the superhero um being you know turning into a superhero because well i'll just read this quote right here i had this idea it was kind of a parody of all these vigilante characters that were in comics you have the classics like batman and daredevil and all these characters were where something tragic happened in their past that helped them choose the path to go out and fight crime on their own and i thought it was really funny if we had a character who was inspired to do the same but just from watching too much bad tv like tj hooker and and a team and all this stuff so I came up with the idea this character would be called Casey Jones. He would have two bats as his main weapon. He would wear a hockey mask and sweats. Just something he cobbled together. And at the last minute, Pete and uh, Pete said, well, why don't you give him a golf bag? He can have all type of weapons in that. And I was like, dude, that's it! But that's kind of the collaboration we had. It was always that kind of spontaneity and how so many of the characters came together. Casey Raphael, they're fun. They're like, retarded like me. Aww. And then he laughed. <laughs> It was fine back then. You could say that word. And I, I could say it now as a quote from a different band. All I remember is how he talked like Clint Eastwood in the cartoons for no reason. <laughs> Goongala. <laughs> That's um, his catchphrase. Goongala. So this TV show hits, and I lose my complete and utter shit over it personally. Mm-hmm. Um, it was my life. It was every, Okay, good. So we're on the same page here. Uh, I, the toys, the shows, the comics, the merch. It all fed into itself. The comics would would introduce a character. The character would then have a toy. The toy would then, like the character would, would then appear on the show. Sprint to the fucking uh, Toys R Us. I, Gotta I, get that Usagi Yojimbo. I mean, this is just me being a spoiled brat. I think. This Gotta is get how that the, Leatherhead. This is how this is gonna come out. By the way, Yojimbo rules. That's yeah. the bunny. Oh my god, the yeah. samurai bunny is the best. So um, I went almost every Saturday to get a new action figure. 
Yeah, it's, I was very. It I, was, I it was very. Hit. It like, was that next hit. Yes, I feel very spoiled to say that, but mm-hmm. like, I mean, you know, certain people have certain stuff. My brother had the aircraft character for GI Joe and like, mm-hmm. uh, or the aircraft carrier and uh, all that good stuff, and he had like a ton of those. My thing was, and recently actually, my brother and I sat down and cleaned them all up and uh, to give away to Goodwill, <laughs> and we did a price check on on them. They were not nothing was really worth anything, but um, I had the fucking Technodrome, dude. <laughs> no. Oh! Shit. Nobody had that. I grew I up the, in a rich ass neighborhood, and nobody had the. <laughs> I had the technodrome. I had the sewer. I had the drill car that would like could drill it. I had the uh, van that shoots pizzas. I had the blimp. I had you every, had that blimp. Didn't I had fucking the work. blimp, son. That blimp was shit. That blimp was shit. But I had it. I had it. Damn it. My favorite part of the blimp was that uh, it had a bonus mode where it would detach from the balloon and become a glider, but like. Anybody, even like, even as a kid, I was like, this is aerodynamically unsound. <laughs> this would just, they just literally decided that, like, hey, what happens if the balloon falls off? Uh, it's, now you got a glider. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing of value was lost. <laughs> um, the, and uh, this is interesting is so the show and the comics and everything, uh, they kind of like veer off very quickly because yeah. uh, Eastman and Laird talked about this that. You know, the Ninja Turtles, the brick, was it green and brick? Yeah, green against brick. Green against brick. Uh, They made fun of Frank Miller's Daredevil. Yeah. And the Turtles lived in a grimy crime ridden New York because of Frank Miller. But they were two fucking nerds from New England. They didn't know anything about New York City. Right. So, like, almost immediately, even within the original comics run, they're, like, on interdimensional adventures. They're, like, they spend as much time possible outside of the city. Mm -hmm. Uh, The supernatural elements, sci-fi elements, just anything. You know, they're very, uh, very rarely are they actually fighting crime. And even in the comic book, what's funny is, like, they pretty much immediately... Um, have to leave New York because of whatever plot stuff and uh, go hide out in Northampton. Yes. Yeah. where they were. <laughs> yeah. Oh, shit. I forgot about Ace Duck. Remember fucking yes, Ace Duck? Dude. Ace Duck was dumb. He I, was a fighter pilot duck who was also a pro wrestler. I have, I have like a list of like favorite characters. There was um, the Punk Frogs. The Punk Frogs. I remember those. There was... Um, uh, what else? Um, I have it right here. Karai, one of the leaders of the Foot Clan. No, Shredder's daughter. Oh, that was Shredder's daughter, right? Um, God, where else is it? I had like a crazy, but anyways, um, there were just so many fantastic. Uh, oh yeah, Muckman and mm-hmm. Joe Eyeball, uh, Baxter Stockman, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, who is who is played by Tyler Perry in the new Michael Bay movie? <laughs> uh, well, the original Baxter Stockman was black. Ah, yes, very good. Osagi And in the uh, 2003 uh, cartoon, he is black. Uh, and are the Ninja Turtles black originally? No, they're uh, no, at part of the appeal of the Ninja Turtles is that they're green. Yes, that's true. So anybody can claim ownership. Um also uh the oh, the Rat King. I loved the Rat King. Loved. I loved. He was a great villain. He was a cool villain. He was villain. a terrible villain. An army of rats. What that's do you else nothing. Do you need? What do you mean that's nothing? They already fought mousers, which is cooler than rats. Ugh, unbelievable. Also, Their boss is a rat. Yeah, but they have feelings, unlike the mousers. Rock soldiers, I loved. Uh, Leatherhead. Uh, sl- uh, slash from like the evil mm-hmm. mutant turtle, um, wingnut and screw loose, the bat and the mosquito. I had those action figures. I remember those. Guys. Oh, they were great. They looked so crazy. That was the cool thing. Was all these guys like unlike GI Joe? Mm-hmm. They they were all like soldiers and stuff. Like the the villains look kind of cool. Like mm-hmm. there was cool stuff going on. 
like the the action figures for the Ninja Turtles all looked bonkers. Like they looked nuts. They were so extreme, like and textual. They were so like yes. like just you could you know they just shit popping off of them everywhere, and you just they were so um so much fun to fucking play with. See, I have more fun memories of the cartoon because it had this very bizarre sense of humor about yes. it. It was downright vaudeville at times. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was an episode where like uh, Casey Jones they put him in like a sleeveless like business casual. <laughs> suit so he can infiltrate octopus ink and the whole thing is just a cautionary tale for children about the perils of like corporatization uh there's uh the pizza monsters episode where like they Mm. mutate pizza and it just becomes a shot for shot alien xenomorph Mm -hmm. reference and this is i still this is david wise by the way this is still david wise he was the head writer for several seasons he has over 100 episodes under his belt and when you think of that goofy ass Turtles aesthetic, the kind that like they made fun of in Turtles Forever. Uh-huh. That's David Wise because when huh. he's not on track, when they got rid of him, that's when like things got dark. Fans actually refer to this these later seasons as the Red Sky era oh. because uh, after so many years. Uh, the Ninja Turtles kind of were too goofy and lost their edge and were losing uh, ratings. So to compete with like uh, X-Men, the animated series, and Batman, the animated series, and uh, just all the adultification, grim darkness that was the 90s, they kind of just like made them made like a darker turtles with like Lord Dreg. It was very Which it was is a weird so period. funny because, you know, that's where they came from originally. So, you yeah, know, it's just like it's like a revert of a revert. It, it, it's so bizarre to go in that direction with them. Uh, and that's where I'm kind of like lost. You know, I feel like by even by Ninja Turtles three, uh, the movie no. and we're about to get into the movie. So um, they want a they. Uh, all right. I love I love. OK. So did you read the Hollywood Reporter article? I read some of the, I I mean, I read some of the criticism. Are you talking about like the racism stuff? Oh, no, no, no. The just how unlikely of a story the movie actually happening. Oh, yeah. It's, 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 isn't it? It's one of the most successful independently made films of all time, right? At at the time of its release, it was the most successful independent film of its, of the time. I remember that summer, man, because that was also Burton's Batman came out that summer. And I remember you, I believe, right? 89, I think. Yeah. You had, and so you had the option of going and seeing, like you could literally go do a double dip and go see Ninja Turtles and then go see Burton's Batman in the <laughs> fucking theater. Because I remember going and I was just a little too young for Batman. So I think I had to, I like, I went in to see the Turtles with like some of the other family went into the see Batman and like how exciting that was. Like the fucking movie theater was like on, on fire that day. I remember because they both just came out, I think right around the same time. Um, but uh, I like lo- loved the movie. Loved the movie. Did you love the movie when it came out? Or were you already? Wow, Jake, you were already like. No, no, no. It was, I have some misgivings. No, it was. <laughs> I remember at the time it was like a little too adult. Uh-huh. I was like, here's. I'm a goofy. Really? I'm a goofy yeah, fucker. Like I fucking loved it. I loved. I love the like cartoon version of the turtles. I love the hot cha cha cha. Like 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 bad puns. Like I, the the weird like satire in half the episodes. I really like it. So when in the movie was like these just 
slime motor mouth puppet men going like, damn! Scary looking Jim Henson motherfucking They puppets. were scary looking. They were crazy looking. They were And sick. Splinter, too, looked crazy. Mm-hmm. And, oh, the and little... The gang, I mean, the Foot Clan looked legit scary. Like, were legit scary. Even in their underground skateboard hideout? I mean, it's so cool. And what's funny is, like, now I would, like, love to go to a place like that where the Foot Clan was hanging. Hey, pass the cigarettes. <laughs> Only if you got the stolen Walkman. <laughs> such, now, a, such a narrow vision of crime. Now, can you give us a little bit, because I didn't read this article. Are there some good tidbits about how unlikely this was? And do you, do you know much about that? I know it was shot on a budget of $13.5 million, which is nothing. Um, I mean, considering all the forces involved, all the people that, like, wanted the Ninja Turtles to be just another kid's movie, and the fact that Eastman and Laird actually had creative control over it, the fact that New Line Cinema was, like, a no, no, you know, was a nothing studio before that, and then they became one of the most dominant studios in Hollywood afterwards. Uh, The fact that the actual ball got rolling because Gallagher's agent was the one who approached Eastman and Laird for the movie rights. (laughs) Um, The fact that Jim Henson at first wasn't going to do it. You know, all the problems on set. How did Uh, they get, when I was reading about it, I was like, well, if it's one of the most successful independent movies ever made, how did they get Henson? It's it's, go to, there's a, there's a lengthy article in the Hollywood Reporter, but uh, without burning too much time, it is, it is so unlikely that it happened. And the fact that it succeeded wildly, which actually have the numbers, uh, it is okay. The, uh, 1990 movie broke the record for independent film at uh, 135 million, Mm, mm -hmm. which, uh, would be 258 million now. Mm. Uh, and, uh, that actually, uh, breaks the that actually is more money than 2014's michael bay joe jonathan liebsman uh, oh, wow. remake which made 191 million wow in america it made 302 million international anyway oh my god, oh my god. <laughs> and and did you mention it was directed by steve Barron, um the guy who he 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 did like every great music video he did billy jean he did <laughs> money for nothing he did like like that's all he did though really before yeah. this he just made awesome music videos the real michelle gondry uh of uh of ninja turtles films <laughs> I, I don't know i don't know i just remember the last fight with shredder was kind of a wash yeah, I guess. Does he just he like just jumps he jumps off a building and like into a trash compact Casey Jones right. flips the switch on a just, right. just Casey Jones just hanging up and like, oh, a ninja man fell in my he trash was, compactor. Casey Jones was good. Casey Jones is pretty good. Um it's in okay. it. Uh also, this is weird. This is a weird factoid. I can't actually confirm this. I just I I have to I heard this. Uh the actress who played April O'Neil uh, is in the yellow jumpsuit, the April O'Neil news jumpsuit, only on the side of the original Ninja Turtles arcade game. Oh, oh she doesn't do it in the actual. <laughs> she doesn't do it in so the Because I remember the live action, her live action self on mm. the side of the arcade game looks so jarring and weird. <laughs> um, uh, but yeah, it was, oh. it was a giant, giant success, and I was I was really into it. I mean, all the major studios turned it down. Uh, before it was finally, I think it was put out on New Line, but Disney, Columbia, Warner Brothers, they all turned it down because they were worried it was going to be like uh, the box office disappointment Masters of the Universe that came out like the oh, summer yeah, you, before. You don't do live action of kids' toy cartoon properties. Right, right, b- based on that. Um, but yeah, my my recollection was like, you were not the, a cool dude and you should probably like go get beat up if you haven't seen that movie like this summer, you know? Like everybody had to go see it. It was <laughs> the most important thing 
until Mortal Kombat came out, uh, what, yeah. like three years later or whatever. Um, but it, man, it was so incredible. I did. Uh, we did skip over uh, the voice actors for the original show. Oh let, yeah, let's get into it. Let's talk get into about it. those guys. Um, according to Renee Jacobs, who played uh, did the voice of April O'Neil, she said the turtle actors were kind of like the Marx Brothers. The uh, uh, and I should say they all recorded together. Yeah, in one uh, much like uh, in SpongeBob, which is why people recall. Like people have very. Uh, very fond memories of the rapport between uh-huh. the brothers. So, uh, yeah, they said the Turtle voice actors were kind of like the Marx Brothers, the Stooges, Laurel and Hardy, Burns and Allen, and all of those wonderful, fabulous old radio personalities and early movie personalities all rolled up in a one. Those guys put the heart and soul into those turtles and came up with those personalities. So giving credit to them for actually really shaping the personalities. Lee- Leonardo was uh, played by Cam Clark. Um, now, who- okay, like, can we talk about... In my, he played He-Man, right? Yeah, he also fucking did the voice for Liquid Snake, bro. <laughs> but his his voice as Leonardo is like the most prototypical, like archetypal fucking generic hero voice. Yeah. You'll never get away with this. Like, he's so <laughs> annoying. I just want to slap Le- Like, Leonardo has the most slappable fucking kid in the front of the class voice yeah. in the world. It's true. Uh, Donatello is voiced by Barry Gordon, who... Um, was a uh, voice on the Snorks. So there you go. Terrible uh, show for terrible people. <laughs> we will be doing an episode on that. We will. We'll have it very soon. Over my, oh, you mean as I shriek into the microphone ruining any attempt to when, do a Snorks when episode? When Jake inevitably quits doing this podcast, we when will I be When I strangle doing... you to death over your corpse, I will whisper <laughs> some factoids about the Snorks. <laughs> That would be the weirdest way to die. <laughs> Raphael was voiced by Rob Paulson, who uh, did the voice of Pinky in the Pac-Man. Uh, oh, no, Pinky and Pinky in the Brain. Uh, he also did the voice of Yako. Really? Oh, that's uh, awesome. And funny enough, he does the voice of Donatello in the current Nickelodeon show. What's, what's funny is I said Pinky from Pac-Man because some one of one of the people here did Inky from the Pac-Man cartoon ah. show, but I didn't write down their credit. And then uh, Michelangelo was voiced by Townsend Coleman, who would also voice The Tick. Which is pretty amazing. I believe it's the tick. I hope I'm not getting that wrong, but I'm pretty sure he voices. It's just the most generic surfer voice. Yeah. <laughs> oh, gnarly. Totally. Well, they all got that too. Like a Ra- pizza. Like Raphael was like a guy from the Bronx, you know. Like no, he was. He was like more hacha chacha. More hacha chacha, but he was still New Yorky. New Yorky, right? He was a little New Yorky. And then, but then, um, uh, yeah, Michelangelo was very surfer dude from out west. <laughs> it was like all the like basic '80s archetypes of fucking human beings. Um, so, anyways, I just want to kind of get get a little roundabout on them because they they should be uh, they should be noted here in this episode. Before we move on to, I mean, I don't even know if you were prepared to talk about this. But um, the, the Nintendo game by Ultra Games, aka Konami, was a. Te- are we not doing that? No, we, the water we, level with the we're bombs. Getting very close to that. Okay. I definitely want to talk about that. But actually, go ninja, go ninja, go, go ninja, go ninja, go. All right, and we are here to talk about this shit. That was Vanilla Ice's Go Ninja Go, and this is uh, the corner of the show that we speak about Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 2, The Secret of the Ooze. Oh, my God. This, like, this movie... What's I re- the secret? The secret is that they're ooze. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. They don't say the secret. Do they? Have, is there an actual big reveal of what the secret is? No, I don't think they. I don't think you needed it at all. Wow, I just got like such a weird sense memory of mm-hmm. like just that time that that movie came out and like what it looks like and smelled like and like everything. The first thing you need to know is that Vanilla Ice was sincerely cool. 
Not a weird irony joke that you bust out or a karaoke song that you do to point out how drunk you are. He was a legitimate, the goofy haired, yeah. collarless, like he was douche god huge, huge was the king of music huge dude and he did call this one of uh, the coolest experiences <laughs> of his career doing the ninja rap in the movie um i remember it like it was yesterday this makes so much sense by the way that in, uh, it introduces toka and razor into the live action razor I razor think it's like even dumber so it's like a uh, it, it just makes so much sense that they they were just trying they wanted Ro- bebop and rocksteady but laird and eastman were actually against it because of like legal clearance issues and stuff because so. they were i mean they were pretty close to other characters from playmates mm-hmm. um the also just everything about this movie uh the it was f- the first film to be dedicated to Jim Henson after his death because he died in uh, the previous May. Uh, mm-hmm. It came out in 1991. It, it makes so much sense that this came out ex- a year later. Like, mm-hmm. no time wasted. They just threw this fucking thing out one year after. And um, do you have many? I mean, I re- yeah, I remember the shit out of it. Just I- a lot of weird imagery. A lot of, like, they, they dulled, like, they took the criticism from the first one that it was too serious. So, like, they added a lot of slapstick. There was a lot of fist fighting because they wanted to turn down the uh, violence yeah. um, a big notch, which uh, w- was annoying to me as a little kid. Uh, you know what? You know what burned into my memory the most? And this is, like, the dumbest is uh, they, they, the goal to, like, defeating Toka and Razar is that they had to feed them the antidote to the mutagen in the form of ice cubes smushed into donuts. Yeah. And the just the image of that, just like the tactile. So weird. Like, just imagine eating an ice cube smushed into a donut. Doesn't that, just makes your mouth hurt. It no feels so s- weird and bad. That makes no sense. And Super Shredder, which was kind and of fucking Super bad. Super Shredder, which was incredibly badass. And I believe it was, it was so a Super bad Shredder uh, action figure. Yep. Uh, that he, like, he's like, oh no, it's Super Shredder. What are we going to, oh, he just, he just knocked over a dock and killed himself. <laughs> That's right again. He just doesn't even. He just hits a pier and then dies on a pile of wood. Well, don't worry. You you get a really good fight against Shredder in the Ninja Turtles arcade game, mm-hmm. which, by the way, is still great. We're ignoring uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 3, right? They went back in time. The costumes were terrible. I literally wrote one line. Um, 1993 film in which they fucking go back in time. It is definitely the Back to the Future 3 of, mm-hmm. of the Ninja Turtle franchise. They went back in time, and I think at this point, Point, which even though it came out in 93 mm-hmm. I was already like finally too old for or like mo- I was moving past Ninja Turtles because I, I barely remember it like, no they made the horrible mistake which is the reason why Ninja Turtles was awesome is that they just like took all the fun stuff about ninjas and like burned away all the actual cultural relevance of it mm. and instead they're like hey I know how much you love like swinging swords at robots but how do you feel about the tea ceremony <laughs> <laughs> The Sakura blossoms are in bloom, bro. Like it's like nobody actually cares. Nobody wants about... them to go back. And, if any, they, they want them in space or yeah, something. Yeah. You know. Um, Hope you enjoy feudalism, my bro. <laughs> the daimyo is and requires a rice tribute. <laughs> Um, so yeah, I, I, but I would love to spend some time talking about the video games because there are actually some incredibly notable ones. So in the same year of 1989, two fucking massive ones come out and that is the Ninja Turtles arcade game, uh, and the NES game, both that were released by Konami. Mm-hmm. And I have strong memories about both the arcade game. I mean, I would immediately start playing it as soon as I, I walked in and saw it mm-hmm. and I would always play it to completion. It was one of the best beat em ups. Uh, it was an amazing beat em up. Uh, 
it had like kind of TV quality, like character designs and animation. And uh, the game kept you moving like level to level. You were always like changing venues and the little cutscenes. Uh, I like it better than the Simpsons game. Really? Uh, oh, I have man. like a, I have like a I love the Simpsons game. Uh, but Fuck. I spent more time with the original NES game. I owned it, and I never beat it. Have you watched a playthrough of that game? You have you seen a full playthrough of that? No. Game? I re- go, dude. Get on YouTube and watch a full playthrough of that game. You will be astounded by what you have to do. Like. After you beat that timed water part with the electricity that was impossible to beat, mm-hmm. like there's so much more to that game, and it's all fucking impossible. Like I, all I remember was beating uh, Rocksteady, right? With, yeah, with, with Donatello, and you and you stab you down. stab down, uh, and you never actually have to deal with them. Um, I remember doing that, and then you end up you in, enter that timed phase. And by the way, this game is fucking weird. It went from a top down perspective, and then you go into worlds, and it would be a two D side scroller perspective. That was like a thing back in like that era of mm-hmm, Nintendo game, mm-hmm. the Blaster Master, that Legend of Zelda two. Like yeah, they're just like, yeah. yo, yo, yo. What if instead of one mode of gameplay that we master, we just throw a bunch of modes of crazy in nonsense at you, <laughs> and not, and it would for no rhyme or reason? Because like I said, you if you don't know at home, you would enter this. Um, or in the car, or at work, or all the fucking many places you can be, because modern technology allows you to carry a phone <laughs> around with you that gives you this episode in your ears. Um, that you would go, to, you would go into this like timed sequence mm-hmm. where you had to swim underwater, and there was electricity, and it was incredi- electric seaweed, electric seaweed, and it was incredibly hard to dodge it, and it was incredibly easy to die, and 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 it uh, was in a maze, and it was yeah, a really difficult to navigate maze. So that really kept most people from moving forward. I never saw past that in my life. Recently, I sat down and watched a full playthrough of that game. Oh my god! Like how the fuck they ever ever thought you would actually be able to beat that game as a kid i have no uh, i mean obviously you know we've talked about this before nes games were made really hard back in the days so that you would have more playing time out of it um unlike you know when the teenage mutant ninja turtles 2 for nes came out which was just the arcade game and you that was great like an hour it was awesome though and i remember like going to a friend's house for like a birthday and just (laughs) having a fucking like i can't believe we can play this at home now because this (laughs) is like the game we'd feed our quarters to you know when you was that before or after you sang along with the coming out of their shell tour (laughs) (laughs) coming out of the shelter the dvd is one of the one of the most hilarious pieces no the most hilarious things is when they were on oprah and they talk about turtle blowjacks yes dude (laughs) we're we've been talking for like an hour already and we're we did not even we have to do a follow-up episode because this is what's most important is when i thought about ninja turtles when i was like oh ninja turtles easy peasy you know that thing from the 80s and 90s but that's a goddamn lie that is a fucking fallacy because it has been close to 30 years and yeah. ninja turtles have always been on air yeah right now there are kids and there are people in their 20s that didn't even watch our, our ninja turtles they grew up with the 2003 series that teenage mutant ninja turtles Mm-hmm. With like the more beefy looking turtles and the yeah. darker imagery, and that's their canon. That's yeah. what they grew up with. Those are the characters they love. And now they're children walking around right now with the CGI. Uh, yeah, the Michael Bay, in which we we have no. Even the, touched uh, there's on. the Michael Bay, and there's the Nickelodeon show with the real simple character uh, designs. Yeah, the Ninja Turtles never went away. There's some weirdos that like put all this aside, and they just love the fucking freaky ass Archie comics that like never yeah. went away. There's some like hardcore Edge Bros that only like the image 
Rage comics where like Casey Jones and Raphael machine gunned down like fucking gangsters in the middle of a strip club with women's titties everywhere. <laughs> Some like the IDW series where like Donatello got his face burned off. Like there's so much turtle media that has just been constantly pushed out that it's almost like a fallacy yeah. for us to declare like, yeah, we covered the 80s one. So that's was, the Ninja Turtles. When it was just, yeah, absolutely. So, okay. So we're going to do a follow up episode, guys. We're going to um, cover all the all the later half of the Turtles phenomenon. The only thing I really want to cover right now before we leave um, for today's purposes is, well, two things, actually. The Ninja Turtles um, Fall of the Foot Clan Game Boy game was awesome. Oh. Uh, I loved was it. Was that the Metroidvania one? Yeah, it was very playable. It was, like, super fun to play, um, and I absolutely loved it. I, I, I completely forgot all about it until I was doing research. Mm. And then... Arguably, the, the might be the best beat 'em up of all time, besides maybe like fucking Streets of Rage. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. No, no, no. It's up there. It's definitely up there. Turtles in Time is one of the greatest beat 'em ups of all time. Still holds up like a motherfucker. Came out in 1991 on the SNES and in the arcade. Oh, by the way, if you prefer Hyperstone Heist for the Genesis, uh, meet me in Times Square in exactly 24 <laughs> hours because I want to strike your neck <laughs> quickly and decisively. <laughs> it is a really goddamn good uh, beat-em-up game. Like, really, really, really good. Like, beats out all my favorite old beat-em-ups that I used to play in the arcade, such as uh, X-Men, Simpsons, and Ninja Turtles. There's, that was like the, tri- the triad of... <laughs> of of awesome beat em ups that I have probably spent how much I don't know how much of my parents' money beating in the arcades, especially X Men. That X Men is evil yeah. in the later levels. It is a coin Welcome devourer. To die. It um, is so mean. So, anyways, but yeah. Pizza time. Hmm? Pizza time. <laughs> Pizza uh, time. Oh, uh, one thing. Shell shock. Oh, so much pain in that. Uh, I want to point this out. I, it's in my notes, and I'd be, uh, I, I was happy when I found this out in an interview. Kevin Eastman talked about how they invented the shredder hmm. because uh, they were doing the dishes after Peter Laird's wife had cooked them dinner, and they were hanging out because they're nerds. And uh, while they were doing dishes, uh, Kevin Eastman took the, cheap, the box grater, you know, those like big uh, you know, rectangular cheese graters uh-huh. that he used for like Parmesan or carrots or stuff, and stuck his arm through it and grabbed the uh, handle and just had it on his forearm and was like, hey, look at me. I'm like a cool villain. Like, wouldn't it be cool? And they were like, yeah, the greater. Like, no, 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 the shredder. And that's how they had the idea for the shredder. It was just two nerds playing with a fucking cheese grater. <laughs> All right. Well, there you go. Well, thank you for joining us for part one of TNG Neutral. Sorry about the shitty audio. We're doing this from my apartment today um, mm-hmm. with no producer present. So, of course, it's uh, not quite as good, not quite as uh, uh, on the CCR quality level. But that said, uh, I still hope you enjoyed it. I hope you're not throwing up on your own socks about it. And um, please uh, rate and review us on iTunes. Um, every little bit helps. And uh, also uh, follow me on Twitch, Holdenators Ho. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Best Jake Young. And uh, if you go to Dorkley's uh, YouTube page, I just made a Jared the Puppet video about uh, 2017 and gaming. And uh, if you if you do follow me on Twitter, please tell me what's your favorite Turtles knockoff series ah. from the same era. 
because uh, I feel like I know all of them, but I want to be surprised. I want to find out there's like some weird Ukrainian one that's like super squid pierogi time. <laughs> I'm going to have so much fun on Facebook this week on our, on our Facebook page. Like I have all these, like I have like childhood photos of me in the Ninja Turtles costumes. <laughs> I have like all these favorite action figures and things like that. And just that, that I loved. And um, yeah, so it's going to be a blast. I'm, I'm excited to hang with you guys uh, while, we, while this episode uh, happens. Uh, all right. Well, thank you very much for joining us and take care. For more shows like the one you just listened to, go to cavecomedyradio.com. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. In a fast-paced world, every day brings new challenges and new opportunities. At Strayer University... We know a thing or two about getting and staying ahead of change. For over 130 years, we've been providing students like you with innovative tools and customized support. So you can find your way forward and always keep striving. Visit Strayer.edu to learn more. Strayer University is certified to operate in Virginia by CHEV and has many campuses, including at 2121 15th Street North in Arlington, Virginia.